0: Ladies and gentlemen, children of all ages from around the world, welcome to the Bridge to Bridge podcast.
1: Welcome, stamp your ticket, pay your bridge toll. Welcome for the bridge which connects to another bridge and we give you in between some of the most incredible humans that the Bay Area has ever seen.
0: one of those individuals happens to be our next guest and Juan gonna-
1: Toscano Anderson. Oh, I stole it from you, Mike. My bad. You
0: can't help it, dude. You can't help it. Well, you know what? I thought, that- you
1: were, I thought you were setting me up for the pause. Nah,
0: he, he's that. You know what? It's okay. He's that good of a guest. So, you know, it, it, uh, he's a man who needs no introduction. Uh, second time joining us on the show. It's been a crazy year for him. And we talk about all that and more on this latest episode. What's up, my boy? Yo, yo.
2: It's good. Can you see me? Let me What's get myself on, set man? up, bro.
0: All right, for sure. No rush. Hey, Juan, you, you ever meet my older brother, Dominic?
2: I have not. What's good, man?
1: Juan, nice to meet you, man.
2: Likewise. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. Just living in Mike's world, you know? Just... just...
2: <laughs> we all do, brother. That's it. We all do.
1: Trust me. I we all do. Hey, <laughs> he's already starting.
2: <laughs>
0: he, My brother was like, You think Juan will like if I talk a little bit of shit about you? I was like, dude, he'll join the party. He'll, he'll, he'll join.
1: I'm always
2: talking shit to Mike.
1: I said, I said, man, unbelievable of Juan to come back on the show. Nah, (laughs) first one on the show, man. So it's only right first guest ever man first guest first
0: guest ever dom was not with us and so we felt that really doing a full episode giving you a chance to win that belt and doing a a, a true full episode with you was only right a year after we started the show
2: it has it been a year
0: it's been a year man we just actually released our uh one year episode where we kind of recapped everything and we talked about the show and it's been a crazy year dude you know and and you're definitely one to thank because you helped me launch it you know at that time it was just kind of something that I was you know it's like you go into something new and you're unsure and you don't know what's going to happen and and it's become something that's like a vital thing in my life and I love doing it and I'm glad I'm doing it with my brother you know which is another kind of bonding thing so it's become so important to me.
2: All right. Uh I'm glad you have me on bro and I appreciate that I could help but this is all you're doing for sure
0: well look man I don't think you need an introduction because uh we've we've obviously had you on before and we've introduced you before but you're a new man since we last had you on the show you you the have the game a nick- has
1: changed yeah
0: the game the game has changed you have a new nickname you have a guaranteed contract. you played a full NBA season uh, almost made the playoffs. Lots to talk about on this uh, fresh episode of the Bridge to Bridge podcast.
2: I'm excited, man.
0: So I want to start off with the beginning of this last season. You know, you made it through training camp and you got waved. A lot of emotions going through the mind uh, at that time. Can you, can you talk a little bit about that? And, you know, were you confident that you'd be picked up?
2: Man, like you said, a lot of emotions. I was heartbroken, bro, because... I was obviously for many reasons. And obviously, as you know, like you've been a huge supporter of mine. i bounce bounced ideas off you and stuff like that. But, you know, just being it's like you being fired from your dream job, you know, just like this is everything I worked for my whole life, you know, sacrificed everything to get to this point, And you're so close. And then it's kind of like, oh, you're not I don't want to say you're not good enough, but whatever reason you want to use, you just it's not enough. And so. I was really hurt. But, you know, then to hear them hear that they were going to bring me back on two way. It wasn't what I wanted, but it still in actuality, I was like, I still get the chance to be in the NBA. And I mean, had I stayed on the team initially, as opposed to being wave and put on two way, I would have still been in the same predicament, a non-guaranteed contract. You know what I'm saying? So the way I looked at it when I was put in that situation is, I'm either going to be out of the league next year because I'm not good enough or I'm going to play my way into some money. And so when they waived me, last year when I first got put on the team, when I came from the G League, I signed a three-year deal, non-guaranteed deal. And so when they waived me and put me on two-way, that was kind of like the silver lining for that was, you know, that three-year non-guaranteed deal goes out of the door. Now it's like, yeah, I'm going to take an L on some money this year, but, I can play my way into an actual contract and then kind of navigate my way into uh, having more control over my destiny, if you will. You know what I'm saying? So it sucked. But then in actuality, there was some uh, benefit to it also.
0: Is that conversation like we see on HBO where, you know, the coach brings you in the room and he sits you down and he's like, you know, sorry to tell you this, but uh, we're going to move in a different direction. Or is it is it really like a business? It's like a phone call. I mean, I mean, how, how's what's that whole thing like?
2: Well, more often than not, you can see it coming if you're realistic with yourself. And so I was realistic with myself in preseason. I knew that I was going to get waived. I don't think I went into preseason to hurt myself, but I definitely didn't help myself. And so, uh, I mean, this is the only organization I've been with. is a of, you know, top-of-the-line organization. Everybody's great from the top to the bottom. So they brought me into a room, told me face-to-face. And like I said, i seen it coming, though. So I was prepared for that moment.
1: Did, did uh, One of the questions I was going to ask, you know, a lot of times on the show we talked to, you know, highly motivated individuals and and Mike has caught me up on your story and how motivated you've been from you know the start and and playing in the in the league in Mexico and were you looking at backup plans or were you like you know what like regardless of what I have to do I'm getting there if it's not right now it's going to be down the road and more opportunities I mean what was your mindset like on that like hey this this is happening I'm about to I'm going to make this happen
2: Nah, my mindset wasn't always that. Yes, I did want to get to the NBA in the back of my mind, but I never really consumed myself with it too much. I just looked at it like I got to get better every day. I was enjoying playing basketball. You know, uh, Mike, we pretty much hooped and worked out every day for a few summers. And, you know, I was just having fun with it. There was a great group of guys that would work out over in Alameda. Shout out to Brian Gardeer, uh, BG. He opened a gym for us every day for free. You know what I'm saying? And, I just looked at it, just improved day by day. It's kind of like everything else in life. You don't know where you're going to land, but you just got to wake up every day and approach the day to try to get better and whatever facet that is. And so, as my career started to elevate, like, you know, Mike and I, we had conversations. Like I said, I bounced so many ideas off him, man. I was afraid to go to the G League. I was afraid because for two reasons. One, because financially I was, was 25, 26, you know. I wasn't trying to go back to making, you know, a lot less than what I was making. You know, you you don't want to regress financially as you get older. And secondly, like the G League, I'm not going to say it's political. I don't want to use that word, but it's situational. You know, some situations aren't good situations, no matter how good of a basketball player you are. Some situations just aren't fitting for you. And so, and I was understanding of that. So, I think once I had just kind of like got to the point in Mexico where I had accomplished everything and then I had went to Europe for a few months to go uh, try out for an ACB team and I had a situation in Argentina and Venezuela that I just wasn't happy with. I kind of just like got exhausted of like packing my bags every month to go somewhere new and also just going to situations that I wasn't happy with those situations. And so that's why I was willing to give the the G League a try. You know, uh, I had some money saved up it was Santa Cruz Warriors, which is right in our backyard, you know, so I, w- I would be close to home if the basketball life wasn't working for me. You know, it's you got to have a find a balance where you enjoy life outside of basketball as well, because you're only playing basketball for three, four hours out of the day. And so that's how I looked at it. Just, you know, I'm able to go home for a year. I'm able to try out for the hometown team and I got some money saved up. So why not? And so as my career started to elevate and I got to the G League, that's kind of when I started to like, you know, uh, funnel my thoughts into, you know, like, I got to get to the NBA now. I'm too close.
0: When you looked at the potential to join the G League for Santa Cruz, did you see the opportunity like from a business perspective? Like, okay, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. I can go play for this Bay team If, if things work out and I do make it to the league. I'll get a lot of notoriety. People will, will talk and, and will write about me. And, and was that kind of in the back of your mind or were you just like, oh, I'll go play anywhere?
2: No, 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 that wasn't in the back of my mind at all. I just, I mean, honestly, bro, I just wake up to play basketball. And that's the first part of the situation is I'm, I'm always like looking at the basketball aspect. And then it's the outside of basketball, you know, the life aspect. So, nah, not too much. Just really wanted to find a good situation uh, in the basketball facet because I had ran into so many situations that I just wasn't happy with. And, you know, I was getting older. So I was trying to find some uh, stability in a career, you know,
1: Juan in your experience, which has made you a better player playing with Steph Curry or playing with Mike in open gym,
2: <laughs> bro. What's wrong with you? man? How could you hey, Mike helped me with my confidence. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the no, Hey, on a serious one, serious note though, on Steph, Steph obviously is, is an you know insanely talented shooter, one of the best of all time. And without giving the inside trade secrets, is that something when you get on a team with with a teammate like that, are you instantly becoming a better shooter through through that, or is it not what I, I, one would think that like, hey, Steph's not giving shooting tips to other you know teammates, you know, because obviously you had an impressive three game in this last year. Was that always a strong suit for you, or is that something that got no, better with the teammates? not a
0: strong
2: suit for. Me. Feel like. <laughs> uh, no, it wasn't, man. I actually, um I mean, there's, there's a little bit to, I mean, to answer both parts of your question. Like stepping into the gym with Steph is just you are stepping into the gym with greatness. And if you're a competitor and you know you challenge yourself as a, you know, a player and as a man, as a human being, then you're just gonna want to, you know, reach that bar that they set. Now, obviously, that bar is, you know, insanely high, but. I used to think making five, six, seven, eight three-pointers in a row was, you know, elite, and it's not. That's pretty average in the NBA, you know, making 20, 25, 90 in a row, that's elite, and that's what I get to see every day. And obviously, that's an anomaly, but, you know, just having the privilege to be around actual greatness, you know, like, there are people who do amazing things in life. And I'm not taking, I'm not comparing apples to oranges. But in regards to comparing apples to apples in basketball, he's an anomaly. Like it's beyond amazing. It's great. It's goat status. I don't. We won't see another guy like this for a long time. And so I just took it upon myself to, you know, I challenge it. I know I'm not as good a shooter as he is. I know I'm not as good a shooter as Clay is. But hey, I'll I'll, I'll bet you. Like let's let's compete. Yeah. You know. And They'll laugh at me which I get it like they know that I can't compete with them in a shooting contest but my point being is that like I'm not afraid to approach greatness and challenge greatness because I also want to be great and so internally I took it upon myself to ask for help from other coaches and so the other part of your question is I didn't really work with Steph too much I just got to watch him and watch him lead by example and I really worked with a I mean, a bunch of people helped me a lot. You know, Ron Adams was a very vital part of my development. Aaron Miles, a very vital, uh, my player development coach that I work with every day. Khalid, Coach Weems, whom was my head coach my second year in uh, the G League. And then obviously Brian Gardier. You know, there were so many people that, that helped me prove on my shot. So it was just really my own, my own wanting, my own desire to, you know, want to be like, not want to be like those guys, but, you know. Be great.
1: Yeah, you you're, you want to hang with those guys and also you know be able to put them down on a couple of bets and challenges and be like, hey, I'm I'm I just dusted you know one of the best in a shootout competition. I mean, it's yeah, that makes sense as far as how that how that would rub off and just make everyone better, you know.
2: Yeah, and then like you know, I also want them to have confidence in me as well, like
0: right when they you pass know, you the ball.
2: I mean, when I that that video that went viral when I passed it to Steph and I celebrated before the shot even went up because that's the type of confidence I have in him because I've seen him make that shot a million times in a row and so like they have to have confidence in their teammates also you know like I gotta show them that I can make this shot in practice I can make this shot under pressure and obviously the game is a whole different situation but still nonetheless it's uh, I've seen him make this shot. I have confidence in me passing him the ball when I'm being double teamed or in a pressure situation and I can't get a shot off. Like JTA's open. We're confident he's going to make that shot.
1: Speaking of that video, a great video. I was going to mention that at some point, the viral video the skip pass and then bam, obviously seemed like on the spot, not planned. I'm guessing just in the, in the spur of the moment, you're, you're excited, you know you know Steph's going to knock it down. From your perspective, that to me seemed like an arrival video, not, not, not necessarily, you know, the NBA is a huge part of talent, ability skills, but it's, it's entertainment as well. And what about, you know, can you talk a little more about that video as far as like, did it open a bunch of doors, the notoriety, the attention? I mean, obviously it wasn't a play that was some amazing, you know, it was a skip pass and a celebration, but, but it kind of puts you, in that spotlight, you know, tremendously.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that's one of the gifts of playing. I mean, we don't, or I shouldn't say we, I don't play for, you know, all the extras that come with the game, but you know, one of the extras that come come with the game is visibility. It's marketing, it's all those things. And so that's one of the gifts or the privileges of playing with guys like this. The visibility is so high. I mean, dude, I have more fans in Brazil and China and stuff like that than I ever imagined. Like. A hundred burner accounts of me on Twitter like every day, <laughs> But all of that came about, you know, there after that Bleacher Report tweet, and I responded jokingly like, "Hey, my name's actually Juan." And then Steph retweeted it, so it just it just took off, you know. Then I went on the jump to talk about it. I think people just appreciated it. Also, I mean, it was COVID. There was wasn't too much to talk about. It was hard to you know, find uh, the light and all that sometimes. And so, yeah, it took off. I gained a lot of notoriety. And then people still talk about that stuff to this day. I mean, people are still tweeting at me about it and responding to it. And now every time Bleacher Report, you know, tweets something about me with my actual name, like people are responding like, oh, you guys finally got his name right. Which is funny to me, I don't care. Like. I know I was a nobody in the league and that's how you have to start, man. And I'm humble enough to understand that you have to crawl before you can walk and you have to walk before you can run. And so I'm just I'm just glad to say or that I'm able to say everything that I have at this moment that I've earned myself. You know, Uh, there's nothing more fulfilling than that. Like I've done everything to get to this point. And so cool. That was a welcoming moment. I'm not mad that y'all don't know my name, but now y'all do.
1: Yeah. And, and that was for sure an arrival moment. Cause I remember talking to Mike watching the season and how blown away I was with your play and, and your play is what got you. That that was like the icing on the cake. Like, Hey, you know, Juan is here. And that, and now like, you, you guys know he's here because he, you know, we all know that. So that was, that was really cool. But obviously, you know, you had cemented yourself, I think by that point as a, as a huge contributor and team player for sure.
2: For sure. And, and like you said, man, mean, games about entertainment as well. So, you know, you got to make people want to watch. You got to make people enjoy watching the game. I mean, I love basketball. Sometimes some games are boring and tedious and people just lose, you know, interest sometimes. And you got to you got to make it fun, man, for the people and also for yourself.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, the year there was a lot of I feel like consisted of a lot of ups and downs. some spurts where you got a lot of playing time you were starting and then some more quieter times where maybe you were more in a supportive role. How do you control the emotions and manage the thoughts that are racing through your mind, you know, throughout that process, you know, because when I look at how I am with work and when things are going great, obviously you're on cloud nine, you know, when maybe you're not hitting your numbers things don't feel as good how are you able to manage that
2: i think i've just matured over time you know i actually i, I hit a point this season where i felt like i should have been playing more and like I, i'll never complain about playing time or anything like that because i'm a team player and if that's who coach feels like you know he trusts more than me to win the game then you know you got to go with that and i just look at it as my work is going to do the talking eventually but Uh, I ran into a point where I was really frustrated. I I felt like I could help the team. I felt like I wanted to do more and, and so forth. And, you know, I had to sit back and reflect and understand, like, what was going on. And that's the beauty of me arriving to the NBA at the age of 27. Because at the age of 22, 23, 24, I would have absolutely lost my mind just being immature and, you know, reacting irrationally, you know. And so... It's life, you know, you gotta roll with the punches life throws at you, you know, it's never gonna be perfect. And that's what I did, I just stayed the course. I stayed patient, I continued to work. That's one thing I do, I approach my game every day, try to get better every day. I have a, a slight obsession with getting better and improving. And so I just focused on me and, you know, everything else took care of itself. Like I can look back and, you know, be proud of myself and how I handled the situation internally and not allowing it to affect how I approached work or how I was in the locker room with my teammates or how I interacted with, you know, my teammates and my coaches because it's easy to get lost in that. You know, we work so hard and we sacrifice everything, pretty much everything. We devote our whole lives to this sport. And so when it's not going how you want it to go, and how or how you foresee it and how you see it going because you work so hard, then it's like it's you, easy to unfold. Yeah, it's, it's discouraging, especially at this level, man, where everything you do is under a microscope. There's cameras on you all the time. You're on social media. You're in the public eye. Like, you know, everybody has accessibility to you. So you, you got to stay, you know, stay the course and be patient and understand that you plant the seed and you continue to water it and it's, you're going to get what you want at some point.
0: You mentioned planting the seed. This year you guarded some of the league's best players, Mello, KD, LeBron, James Harden. Big Mike. Uh, Big yeah. Mike, you know, a couple of Jamtown battles. Uh, but can you talk a little bit about, you know, you go from Mexico to the G League and then you're guarding, you know, Bron and KD. You know, KD's first game back from... Coming to the Warriors. I mean, was that just a surreal experience?
2: Of course. I mean, for me, man, I'm never like I'm confident in who I am, so I never worry about like giving people their props. Like I never right. care about being a fan. Like that Yeah. Be- you're
1: you're from Oaktown. you're not gonna show up all struck. It's game time when when my guy enters the gym. That's a that's that's by, by birthright. You know what I mean? You
2: know what I'm saying? So like yeah. you know, I'm gonna do me once I step on the, you know, when it's time to compete, but like, as for those guys, like, bro, Bron and Melo, I had two jerseys when I was in elementary school at Montclair, and we had a lunchtime basketball league. I wore those jerseys faithfully for three years, bro, every Tuesday and Thursday. Just hooping them because, like, they were my idols. Like, I wanted to emulate everything they did. And as for KD, like, he is who he is, you know, one of the best scorers ever. know legend like these are guys that i just they've accomplished everything that i aspire to accomplish as a basketball player you know gold medals championships you know mvps rookie of the years etc i mean the list goes on bro and so like i'm a fan and it's cool to be competing against these guys that i've watched on tv for so long and i've admired for so long i mean sometimes it's hard not to be a fan but You you know, when you step in between those lines, it's time to compete. I think that's why those guys, you know, respect me because like I don't back down for them. I'm not afraid of their greatness. Like for me, it's like it's not like, oh, shit, like these guys are greatest. For me, it's like, yeah, like I get to challenge myself and guard these guys and see where I stand as a as a, a defender, as a basketball player. Like I get to go up against the best. And so that was a lot of fun. And I appreciate those moments because. You know, all it's not every day you get to play against LeBron or you know KD, and so it's just it's something I'm very appreciative, man. Appreciative for.
1: You know, obviously cardio is a big part of basketball, <laughs> and and obviously you know you, you practice with one of the most insane move around players. That's like a human pinball in Steph. Who who in the league outside of your team? you know, have you played against where you're like, man, just stop moving. Like, just, just let, let, you know, let me catch my breath for a second.
2: Man, to be honest, like I'm in pretty good shape and to be 100% honest, I don't think anybody compares to the shape Steph's in. Like it's to a point where I'm even like being a spectator when I'm watching Steph play and I'm just thinking in my head, like, man, I would hate to be the guy guarding him because he literally doesn't stop moving at all. And It's hard to answer your question truthfully because there's nobody that even comes close to that moves as much as Steph does off the ball, you know, especially not a guy with that usage rate. I mean, there are some guys who are probably just like myself who are very active on the floor, but you know, my usage rate isn't as high as Steph. I'm not shooting 20, 25 shots a game. I'm shooting eight shots, seven shots a game, maybe 10 on a, you know, a great night. And so just for somebody with that usage rate, that, that caliber of a player, you know, there's nobody that I can even think of to answer your question, honestly. I think that he's just in a league of his own when it comes to, you know, him moving and playing off the ball.
0: For sure. Hey, so you got this new nickname, Juan T. You know, Don brought up the the coming out party. I felt like that game was kind of like the coming out party for me, you know, because there was a little on-court scuffle and not scuffle, but like, It was like, yo, I'm here. And then you got this nickname. Was that kind of, did you feel like it was a rite of passage for you when you got the nickname and the teammates are calling you something different? Or, or is it just kind of like, whatever, no big deal.
2: I think that kind of like stamped me on the team, you know, like I said, in other interviews, it's one thing to be on a team, but it's another thing to be a part of a team. Right. Be a part of the culture, to be in the locker room and somebody that, you know, the guys would text and say, Hey, just come kick it or let's, let's go get dinner. You know, I've been on teams where there are some guys who don't even, you know, interact with, you know, guys on the team outside of basketball. And so that game actually, when that happened, I I was, I didn't dress. And it was just kind of like some after the game, altercation, some miscommunication. That's how I look look at it. I don't look at it more than anything like that, but You know, just to have those those guys clay and Draymond have my back like those are those are household names, you know, they get a lot of respect in this league and. that That's a that's a huge component to being in this league, having respect, you know, it's a it's an alpha male league, you know, you got all the alpha males that play basketball coming to this league, the best players and so. You got to have respect, man, in this league. It's a competitive league. And I feel like if people don't respect you, then people are going to treat, not treat you different, but attack you differently on the court. You know, they're going to look at you like you sweet. And so I think just, you know, having validation from those guys, you know, showed the, I guess the basketball world that, you know, I am who I am and I'm on this team and my all-stars on my team have my back. And, yeah, nobody ever called me, well, I wouldn't say nobody, nobody outside of the organization ever called me Wantee. Like, that was never a thing. No, I never
0: heard it before.
2: Yeah, and now it's like a thing. Like, there are people who've known me for a large part of my life who call me Wantee now and, you know, all over the Bay and stuff. And so it just kind of stuck. And, you know, if that's what it's going to be, that's what it's going to be. To me, the more important part is just that people know me in this league, you know?
1: One of the things I wanted to ask about that you know was a big thing that you are becoming more known for but probably have been involved in throughout your life based on on what I've read is being nominated for the Kareem Abdul Jabbar Social Justice Award that, that 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 to me in this year especially seemed you know like one of the 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 pinnacles the, mo- the, the most prestigious thing you could be nominated for especially in a year like this and looking at your work with JTA right is the um the JTA organization it's his foundation um, your 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 foundation looking at that work can can you talk about what it meant for you but but i'm more interested too in like what's in the future because you come across to me as someone that uses you know opportunity and good fortune to pass along and that that makes up such a big part of who you are you know what what are the plans in the future for that and what did that mean for you this year especially
2: Yeah, I thought it was really cool, first of all, just to be five finalists. You know, there's 450-ish, 500-odds odd -odd players in the NBA. And so to be cut down to five and then be in a conversation with, you know, Carmelo Anthony, Harrison Barnes, Tobias Harris, Drew Holiday, like these are all established players who have been in the league for eight, nine, ten years plus, each and every one of them. And so for me, that was exciting. And it's also exciting to be acknowledged for something outside of basketball. You know, people only see us as basketball players more often than not. Uh, And we're much more than that. You know, we're human beings first, but we're also, you know, entrepreneurs. We're innovators. We're, you know, whatever else guys want to be. And so as for what's next, uh, I don't know, man. Well, I'm doing a backpack giveaway, August 7th. That's That's the tentative date right now. I'm trying to just gather as many resources as I can. I don't have a target of what I'm trying to get. Like, I'm literally just trying to get whatever I can from whoever I can here in the Bay Area. You know, these kids, they need resources. They need them now more than ever, especially with COVID. Trying to get gift cards, shoes, backpacks, clothes, whatever I can get to provide for people. Like, I'm going to try to do because the fact of the matter is a lot of us have way more than we need. So that I'm, I'm, I had that in the works. Hopefully by next fall, I can uh, be established enough. I, I wanna do a, a yearly like grant, like a scholarship, the JTA scholarship, JTA scholarship. Uh, and the JTA is journey to achieve, like, you know, uh, really believe that everybody has their own journey, you know, to achieve their goals or their dreams or whatever. And so I wanna do that. Any
0: plans to go back to Mexico, like uh, any camps out there? I know you do that from time to time, right?
2: Yeah, so I'm doing a camp in August. August I'll head out there August 11th. I wanted to build rebuild or renovate a court in Isla de Mujeres. I went down there for vacation and I just went to the island and you know, they play basketball down there and that's exciting and like I would love to just go stay down there for a month or two in the off season like if I could if there was like a nice gym where I could, you know, work on my game every day and just, you know, focus on my craft, but unfortunately there is not and so Hopefully I can get to the point where I can uh, be a part of something that can be created there and be built there. You know, give these kids, these young kids and, you know, these people who aspire to, you know, try to get to the NBA or try to get to the G League or overseas or whatever the case may be, you know, give them a facility where they can, you know, sharpen their iron. You know, some people just don't have the resources. And so and I think that's the first step is like everybody should be willing to give back. Uh, or at least that's what I believe. You know, there've been so many people that have helped me along the way. It would be very selfish. And I think I would be turning a blind eye to the to reality if I wasn't to help people out because the fact of the matter is I didn't get here by myself. I had a lot of help from a lot of people on the way. Somebody like Brian Gardier who just opened the gym for me every day during the summer for free, never asked me for anything. And never. he still doesn't ask me for anything. And I love that dude for that. You know, but that's helped though. He connected a dot for me that I was not able to connect myself because in the Bay, it's really hard to find a gym to get into if you don't have a name, and let alone find a, a place for good competition. Like he always maintained great competition. I mean, he let Mike in the gym, but you know, besides Mike, <laughs> besides Mike, everybody else was good. <laughs>
1: Hey, standards, I, I standards, standards slip for us all sometimes. You know. It's, hey, it's just... I held
0: my own, man. Y'all need to respect me out here on these courts.
1: Right. Hey, Mike. You know, I, cl- I joke, I clown on Mike because he's my brother, and that's my job. You know, that's that's part of the the the, the territory. But now he's gotten better. And I refuse to play him since the last time when I just got lucky on a string of threes. And, and I'll tell you, it's a different story of what happened with that. But, but I won't play him because I still have the W. So I just, you know, I'm, I refuse because he would murder me right now. Yeah, he...
0: My game is tight, dude. So, you know, we actually uh, have a couple of questions from our listeners that I want to ask. One of our listens, Cole Gummery, asked, how has life changed now that you've established yourself in the league?
2: Oh, that's a deep question, bro. Everything has changed. Literally everything.
1: Just listen to Biggie, uh, Juicy, you know, bam. <laughs> for
2: sure. Uh, nah, everything has changed for real, though. Like, uh, obviously, the way I approach everyday life is different. Uh, everything that, Everything I do is being watched. Everything I put on social media is being watched. How I conduct myself in public is being watched. it's cool to be famous or it's cool to be known, but sometimes it comes with a lot though. Like sometimes I just want to go grab a bite to eat and not have to, you know, take
0: Take a a picture or
2: autographs because I don't always want to be the center of attention when I'm hanging with my friends or hanging out with my family. I don't always want to be disturbed. And I know that people sit back and think like, Oh, you're a professional athlete. I'm not supposed to feel bad for you. And which is fine. I'm not asking anybody to feel bad for me, but at the end of the day, I'm not a like, I'm not a a exhibit for you to, you know, come and, you know, ask for stuff or whatever, you know, now by, by no means do I want to sound like I'm above that because I'm not, I'm super like appreciative,
0: but you're human.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I'm human. Sometimes everything is, is good in moderation. Too much of anything becomes bad, you know, so that the expectations of everybody or that everybody has of me, you know, uh, it's, it's kind of funny that everybody expects you to kind of pay for everything. It's kind of funny that people want you to do what they want you to do, as opposed to what I want to do. Like, this is my life. It's kind of funny that people get mad when you tell them no. It's kind of funny when people, you know, ask me for tickets and I don't have tickets for you. So uh, there's just been a lot of changes. My, th- my whole thought process has changed because I have something that I've attained that I've worked extremely hard for and I would do anything to maintain. And so I have to protect it with my life. And Mm -hmm. I think people look at it as, Oh, I'm being paranoid. I'm overthinking or I'm being uh, compulsive and in actuality, I'm not, you just don't understand my thought process because you don't live the life that I live. And so a lot has changed, but you know, it comes with the territory and with all those like kind of bad things, like, there are great things that have changed. I get to work out with greatness every day. I get to work out at the best facility. I have more money than I've ever had in my life before. I get to play in under the bright light, the big lights every night, you know? And so a lot has changed, but it's life, you know, you have to learn how to adapt to your circumstances because your circumstances will not adapt to you. And I'm starting to learn that. And so uh, I'm learning, I'm learning how to interact with people. I'm learning how to tell people no more, I don't really like to tell people no, which is a, a curse of mine because I just want to help everybody. But in actuality, I'm only one person. I can only be present so much for everybody else, and I truly believe that you can't pour from an empty cup. And so I've I've began began to learn how to fill my cup first, which some people may look at as selfish, but. Like I said, you can't pour from an empty cup. I can't, you know, somebody gave me uh, this is the last thing I'll say, somebody put this in perspective to me when you're on a plane and they say that when the oxygen mask drop, you know, whose mask are you supposed to put on first your own? Because if you don't, if you're not alive, you can't help anybody else. Right. You know, so that's one thing I just take and run with. Like I got to help myself before I help anybody else.
1: Yeah, no, that's a, that's a good point because, and and it's, The expectations are really high of you, but everyone needs time off work. It would be like if a doctor, everyone knew a doctor was a doctor and they just, you know, when they're in line at the sandwich shop to go, Hey, I got this elbow thing. Can you tell me, you know, what can I do with this? And they're like, Hey, I've been working 19 hours and doing all this stuff. I'm really just trying to get a bite to eat and like, just be in my own head for a little bit, be in my own space. But like you said, the expectations, you know, it's like you could do 10,000 autographs and you tell one person no and someone gets it on film and they go oh big bad Juan you know he won't sign autographs and it's like come on man that was one out of 20,000 yeah. so I know I know it's tough for you guys for sure and and I mean that's got to be a tough part
2: yeah they, but it, like I said it's what comes with it man and you just got to learn how to navigate it you know, because I, I feel like when we speak about it, it kinda comes off comes off as if we're unappreciative of the fans and stuff. And I, I don't ever want to sound like that because I, I think it's super dope people ask me for my autograph, honestly. But like I said, too much of anything's, you know, bad. You need things in moderation.
0: One more user question before we do the belt. It's a big the, the big lightning, lightning round.
1: The, the bridge to bridge belt. A Ooh. lot of
0: a lot of serious questions, but another listener Actually, Anthony Tussauds, his name Asked, what are Juan's thoughts on Team USA's rough start to the Olympics?
2: Man, that's a good, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, I gotta, I kinda gotta be careful how I answer this question. So Oh, I played, because,
0: yeah, that's right.
2: I've played, I've played FIBAs before, prior to making it to the NBA. And I've always known that there's some really good basketball players out there. I mean, even not in FIBAs, just playing, you know, Euro Cup, all over the world. There are some guys who could be in the NBA. So basketball is growing all all over the world. And I don't think one thing about the United States is like, we kind of live in a bubble, you know, we're kind of oblivious to some of the things that are going on outside of, you know, our home. And that includes the growth of basketball and the development of basketball all over the world. There are some really good players out there. So part of me thinks like, now it sucks that You know, they lost those two games because when you go to these different parts of the world, there are some parts of the world that think their basketball is better than USA's basketball. And it's not. We have the most talented players in the world. But a lot of these teams have also been playing together, you know, for 10, 15 years. Some of these guys get on the national team at the age of 14, 15. And although they may not be playing in the games and you or us as spectators don't know who they are, don't know their Mm -hmm. name they're still amongst this fraternity, this brotherhood, this culture. They're building something. And unfortunately with the USA, they only send their top NBA players when they're pre-Olympic games or Olympic games, the serious games. They don't send guys to World Cup. They don't send guys to the window games. And so there's so many rotating players that it's hard to build a fraternity um, on Team USA. It's hard to you know, create this cohesiveness. And so, uh, with all that being said, I wish they would have won those two games, but also Nigeria is a really good team. Nigeria Nigeria has a pretty much loaded team, all NBA players. You know, shout out to, you know, the guys I know on that team, but one of my vets that I played with in Mexico, Jalil Akandele, he was a captain on Team Nigeria. He kind of helped create that whole culture they have growing there and also australia is a pretty good team they're a competitive team but that goes back to my point to say that you know basketball is growing worldwide and so do i think the uh, usa should have won yes but then i'm also understanding that these games are tune-up games and the real games are what matter and i'm still confident that usa is the best team in the world and so i don't put too much stock into these games but you know, just being being a spectator watching it, but also being a player, I understand that everybody's just gonna create this huge narrative that, you know, the, right. uh, this NBA team is not good enough to win the Olympics. And in actuality, they, they're good enough to beat any team in the world. And so uh, I'm excited to watch the Olympics. I'm excited to watch good basketball. I have friends who play for Spain. I have friends who play for Italy. I, like I said, I've been playing FIBAs for five years. So I, I know a lot of guys all over the world and I'm very respectful of you know, in the different countries and different styles of play.
0: Hey, so before we let you go, we do a lightning round, which we didn't do in the first episode, but we basically ask you specific questions pertaining to the Bay. You know, Dom is actually an Oakland native. So he's gonna ask you, uh, where'd you grow up Dom? West Oakland?
1: Yeah, 54th and Whitney. Yeah, so so down over there. Before West Oakland became the West Oakland today, you know, it, it, it was legit. So yeah, I grew up there until I was about like nine or 10. So, but okay. you know, I remember, I remember some of my fondest memories out there in, in Oakland and we had some questions on previous lightning rounds about like uh, fairyland o- OG spots in the Bay area. So yeah, we're going to do this lightning round again. I got to warn you it's made to be really difficult. So, mm-hmm. so we'll start off with some, it gets more difficult with each question, but we're going to start off with the, with the uh, first round and, and move forward. So, so this person, was a recent guest on Bridge to Bridge, now plays for the Denver Nuggets. It's a Bay Area hooper that played alongside you at times at the SF Pro-Am. From the Bay Area, born and raised, and was on the show, was on the Bridge to Bridge podcast, playing now for the Denver Nuggets. Hey, G, Eric Gordon. Yes, Damn. sir. Okay, all right, you cruised out of that first round, and that's, that's what's important here, because <laughs> now we get to some tougher some tougher questions. Now, <clears throat> At one time, this person played for the Warriors. This is a basketball legend that I'm going to ask you about, and this is Wilt Chamberlain. Played for the Warriors, but Wilt Chamberlain's first professional team wasn't in the NBA. What team did he play for prior to joining the NBA?
2: I have absolutely no idea, Dom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Now, 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 check this out. I'm a, i'll let you get a guess i'll drop you one hint now it's a professional team in that they got paid to play basketball but it's not the traditional team that you would think of where they're like i'll just say we talked about entertainment in basketball what and so it was bam
0: go you got it You got dude. through
1: you got a little teamwork a skip pass yeah. and we're, we're moving along nice. right okay it. This next question, now you're getting that right now, we're in, we're definitely in the league right now. There's two
0: more questions. There's two more
1: questions. So this would be, we're in, we're in the league at this point, you're, you've arrived and then we would get to, you know, the chip. So this question is a, a Bay Area music question and there is a rap duo, an old school rap duo from East Oakland and they made a song about player haters and and in that song they said that they heard a rumor that they stole a credit card from chris weber who who played for the warriors what group made that song it was about player haters and they said in that last time i heard i stole a credit card from chris weber
2: (laughs) mike you know this one yeah
1: Okay, OG OG rap group. There's two of them. There's I two of them. I, I don't know. Y'all, y'all much older than me too, though. Like I know. Okay, I'm gonna give you an escape round. I'm gonna give you a way to get out into the championship because the championship's so hard. Okay, you said you Santa Cruz Warriors name the OG roller coaster at the boardwalk. What's Big the Dipper. name? of Okay, Big Dipper. <laughs> I'm gonna let you back door. I'm gonna let you back door to the chip. Because the chip is hard. It's a hard question. There's no
0: way he's getting this, dog. This is crazy if he gets it. If him. I
1: get this, Original
2: Joe's on you. Nah, bro. Yeah.
0: If, if you get this, you get the belt, dog. Oh, you get the okay, belt. Okay, and yeah. Original Joe's on you. And some OJ's. And some OJ's. You, Shout you, out to you OJ's. T-
1: you take the belt, Who's current? it's currently held by Chuck Flavor Gang, a chef we had and a guest on, on the He doesn't like being called a chef because he throws down some crazy creations, but he's, he's the belt holder right now. Okay, This was a former point guard that played for the Castro Valley Trojans. It's the Trojans, right? From Castro Valley. Okay. This former point guard, you know, you could arguably say was the most successful business person second to what you're going to achieve. Of course, to come out of Castro Valley high played point guard for Castro Valley started a business most successful business person, I think to come out of Castro Valley High, old alum, old alum. It's a tough, I mean, this is tough, but went, we, to, your, went to your high school and, and is involved in basketball in, in, a, in, a, in a roundabout way. Involved They're, in the NBA. Yeah, involved in the NBA. Well, should a, we
0: give them the the team?
1: This is championship round. So <clears throat> I'll say, all right, went to your high school, played point guard, is not a basketball player. This is a person that's in business. And I would say is you know one of the most successful business people to ever come out of Castro Valley High. They started a business, and they are involved in a roundabout way in 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 Bay Area NBA basketball.
2: Involved. It's tough.
0: We'll still get you original Joe's,
2: man. Is he uh, involved in the news at all?
1: I mean, he might be in the news, not really in the news, but he's not a news. But light let's job. give him the team he's involved in. Oh, Mike, I have to check the rule book on this in championship. Okay, because because he carried you so much at Soldier's Gym and Soldier and, Town, and, man, stop and Soldier You're Town. Okay, okay, You're okay. <laughs> okay. Because he carried you on his back and allowed you and, and wiped the snot off your nose during those games, and we know Mike gets very emotional sometimes <laughs> oh, in the bad. games. Oh, oh man, right? Bad. He. Mike, he gets Dude, emotional. The
0: question, man. Stop. Okay. Bro. He, he,
1: he, he's a, he's a part owner of the Sacramento Kings.
2: Damn, I have no idea. I don't even know anybody worth talking about when it comes to basketball, other than the seniors that were seniors when I was a freshman.
1: And he I, didn't but, play. Remember, he he's not. He didn't play pro ball or even play in college. He just played in high school as a point guard. But he's this is a business person from your high school. We got to connect,
2: you guys. Either way. Yeah, yeah, because I have no idea who this is. Who is it, Dom?
1: His name is Mark Mastrov, and he started Twenty Four Hour Fitness. He actually founded Twenty Four Hour Fitness and CEO. Went to your high school, and and also is a co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. He's a Castro Valley High alum.
2: I've never heard of him before. Hey, that's man. Crazy.
1: Hey. You know this? The, the Bay Area
2: respects. Way is just like no, no, yeah. My- yeah.
1: He's n- he's like, not in the limelight. Yeah. But he, but he started 24 hour fitness and he's a co-owner of the Sacramento Kings. So. Hey, he you liked? know
0: what? Right now, a lot of people don't know about bridge for bridge either, but you know, we're, we're going to get there soon, bro. Sure. For
1: sure. Yep. That's true. That's hey, true. Hey Juan,
0: look, man, we, we appreciate you coming on for a second time your charity for the week. Uh, we're very grateful that we were able to put this. Like, uh, stop bro. Second episode stop together. Doing
2: that. Stop doing that.
0: Any shout outs you want to give? I know you got a big uh, group of connections uh, all over.
2: Uh, no, you know, I just wanted to let people know about my backpack giveaway. You no, know, tentative date is August 7th. I mean, for anybody who's out there watching, uh, any donation is, you know, helpful, even if it's a $25 gift card to, you know, Staples or Walmart. And like I said, these kids, they've needed help always. There's always you know, a group of people who need help, but I think now more than ever. So if anybody's out there watching who can, you know, directly donate or connect the dots for anybody to donate, you know, if somebody can help me raffle off a laptop. Uh, Not only do I want to help these kids, I also want to try to create like a fund for teachers. You know, a lot of these teachers, they don't get paid much money and then they're coming out of their pocket to buy supplies, you know, to create a curriculum for these children. And at the end of the day, these teachers are actually doing all of us a favor because they're the ones who are teaching us. And so I uh, just want to help them out. Uh, I think teachers are superheroes. I've had some amazing teachers in my life. A lot of them who are, you know, who have been very impactful, you know, in my success. And so, uh, yeah, uh, anybody out there listening that can help. If you guys know anybody that can help. We're going
0: to make a donation. I
2: appreciate- bridge to bridge, yeah, count, bridge count to us bridge. in for a, a donation. donation.
1: And, and we're going to also send some to all of our former guests to, to make a donation too, because we got some folks that are doing well. Deep pockets. That we...
2: and you know, it, it, at the end of the day, it's not about JTA Foundation. It's not about me. It's really about, you know, us extending our help to, you know, all these Bay Area natives who, you know, listen to you guys, support you guys, you know, who come to Warrior Games to support us. And so, yeah, it, it's bigger than I- anybody involved. It's for the greater community. So, yeah, that, that's really it, man. And shout out to Dub Nation. We got the best fans in the world
0: a big thank to our guy Juan for coming on the show a second time it was a banger it was a good time we definitely had a lot of fun if you want to see more from Juan make sure you add him on his IG juan on Juan 10 you can find him on YouTube and make sure you check out his charitable donation I know they're always doing things in the community it's the JTA Foundation if you want to see more from the bridge to bridge crew you can add us at bridge to bridge podcast on Instagram at b2bsf on twitter and you can also watch the video recording of this episode on our youtube page make sure you subscribe thanks again for tuning in and see you next time